welcome to Music Works. This is the final episode of season two and we're ending with a wonderfully uplifting episode in which I'm talking to Naomi Pohl, Deputy General Secretary of the Musicians' Union, singer and songwriter Lady Nade and cellist Maya Kashif. I say uplifting even though there are some really raw parts of the conversation as we look back on the impact the pandemic has had on musicians and their experiences. But the commitment of these tremendous women to their art and to supporting other musicians everywhere, even when experiencing their own heartbreak and moments of outright despair, tells a different story of resilience and hope that is an inspiration. We also consider how essential music and the arts in general are to a healthy, happy, functioning society and how they need to be valued and supported more than has been the case under COVID and why collaboration and cooperation are two important pillars to engender success and build strength in our community. And stay tuned to find out some of the great episodes we have planned for season three. But first, here is a message from our sponsor. Music Works is generously supported by Alliance Musical Insurance, the UK's number one musical instrument insurer, serving the music community since 1960. If these difficult times have shown us anything, it's that life can be unpredictable. Alliance offer cover for all types of instruments and musical equipment, protecting you against accidental damage, loss, theft and more. Plus, every Alliance music policy now includes free legal assistance and support, so you can protect yourself both as a musician and in your personal life. Now, if the worst happens, you won't be left out of pocket and you can get back to doing what you do best. To find out more about this and Alliance's special online offer of two months free cover, go to alliancemusic.co.uk. Alliance, proud to be the insurer of choice for over 70,000 musicians. And now we go over to the Music Works studio where Naomi, Lady Nade and Maya are waiting to share their thoughts and experiences of lockdown and talk about the ways it has changed their approach to their work going forward. Hello and welcome to Music Works. Um, welcome to our three fantastic guests today. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hey. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. So with us today, we have Maya Kashif, freelance cellist and music creator, Lady Nade, singer, songwriter, soul seeker and food lover, and Naomi Pohl, the Deputy General Secretary of the Musicians Union. Thank you so much, all of you, for joining us um, for this finale of season two of the Music Works podcast. Um, we have come here today um, together to talk about um, a topic that I discovered through Naomi Pohl's Twitter, which is um, the the work that musicians are doing um, to stay on top of their craft and to stay in the industry um, through the work that they've been doing throughout COVID to, to do this and um, linked to this very much is the lack of government support that musicians have received and so as a lot of this work has been done um, entirely for free. Um, so that's basically why we've come here today and also to talk to these fantastic people about their work in general um, and their experience of the pandemic. Um, so if we could start with Naomi, would you be good enough to tell us about this from your perspective from the Musicians' Union? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we've got at the Musicians' Union, we've got about 31,000 members. Um, and during the pandemic, most of them have not been able to undertake more than a quarter of their usual work. So uh, 
about 30% of our members still fall through the gaps of the government financial support scheme. So haven't had any financial support at all whatsoever. Um, and that affects most of our members because most of our members have got really kind of portfolio careers. They don't just do one type of work. Um, and about the only uh, work that has been going on is either um, studio work um, or possibly a bit of rehearsing with the orchestras and possibly some online music teaching. But obviously, live performance has been completely shut down. If musicians have been able to do some online gigs, they don't tend to be paid very well, don't tend to generate as much money as you get or anything like what you get if you were doing an in-person event. So um, what we were trying to highlight, particularly to the Chancellor, really, was before the budget was... Um, that actually a lot of our musicians are still working in order to maintain their careers and so that they're ready to get back to work as soon as it's safe to do so. So a lot of our members have been rehearsing, practicing, writing, you know, hours a day, in some cases, eight hours a day, as well as trying to keep up their presence on multiple social media platforms, potentially releasing new music during the pandemic, um, collaborating, uh, trying to rehearse online, which is not easy if you're a group, because I don't think the technology is quite there yet. But um, it's a really mixed bag. Uh, but it's been um, so I think musicians have been keeping really busy, but also might have had to take on other types of work. You know, a lot of our members have had to go and get jobs as delivery drivers and things to just make ends meet. And um, it's really one of the one of the really difficult meetings I had during the pandemic was with the West End musicians who are normally, you know, well-paid, steady jobs. Um, and they just literally had no government support whatsoever because they just tipped over the 50,000 a year mark, which meant they weren't, um, they didn't qualify for the self-employed scheme. And so a lot of them have got families and literally on the breadline, not able to make any money at all. And, and a lot of them have had to go and find other work. So it's just... You know, we talked earlier about what your identity is and you're still a musician, even if you're not working. So it'd be interesting to talk about that and hear from Maya and Lady Nag about their experiences. Yeah, absolutely. It's something I've been hearing a lot is um, people coming back into having gigs and going, oh, God, well, we better schedule in some extra rehearsal because I haven't touched an oboe for, you know, <laughs> some time. Um, Lady Nag, tell us about your perspective on this. Yeah, um, at the very, I've had a crazy journey, um, like everyone, uh, at the very beginning, actually, was coming back from a, um, a tour in Taiwan. Um, I was um, with Cirque Bijou doing shows, and I came out of um, uh, Taiwan into um, uh, a UK run of uh, shows, but prior to that, I was in Paris. And I had um, like 54 shows uh, lined up um, and, um, you know, very much feeling um, after eight years of solid um, hard work in the industry, I was at uh, part of the point of my career, which I felt like I was on the cusp and I was doing more international touring and I was, you know, you know, with my st uh, establishing my artistry and bringing a trilogy of, of work together which would be my third album which I would then go on to tour <laughs> and then um and then lockdown happened and I think that is such a a shared experience I think a lot of people were at this 
point in their careers where they were just about to sort of open the door and walk um, through to where they had been working to get to for uh, many, many years. Um, So uh, it was a shock to the system. And um, I had, I had loved IT in school and I loved being part of community projects from um, age 14 and I was um, really using my social media pages throughout my, I have been throughout my experience of being a musician um, and I was hosting a night called uh, Lady Sings at the King Dime Vaults in Bristol once a month bringing female artists together on a platform and um, I had um, facilitated about 72 females so with that um, I wanted to just take that and 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 um, and launch it uh, and put uh, and launch it online to to create an, a supportive environment so that that we could that, so I could stay connected and um and so and, and uh I think being part of community and um not just pushing my own music but pushing others uh is a it is a way that I felt a great sense of being able to stay strong through uh lockdown and it's just been so important to me to create, um, not just for, to c- continue creating for myself, but to to actually collaborate with other people um, and create um, holistic health and well-being through um, through staying connected and through collaborations. So, I first of all uh, collaborated with an artist called Gemma, and we wrote a, a song called Isolation, <laughs> and. Um, yeah, and we released that. I'd launched the Lady Sings online group, and then I took my monthly event, and I I announced that I was going to do some monthly, um, you know, uh, shows online, which were uh, like uh, PayPal like donation um, shows, and I was really lucky to have my fans from. Uh, the a community from that night come on board and and uh, and I sat uh, and, and and come to the show and also other artists from that I hadn't been able to actually reach out to before because they were in other other cities and other countries and as we were saying at the start financially it, it can be really tough uh, for musicians sometimes to just have the means and the funds to be able to get from one city to the next to even take part in a showcase at someone else's event and and go uh, and not pay to play so I was able to start inviting um uh, a guest from from Paris that I just toured with in Paris and Scotland and that was really nice and started to um connect uh, uh and collaborate um with um artists online and take my monthly event into an online uh uh on, into an uh, create it and take it online and um it, it was tough because I had a problem getting the government uh, funding because there was an error in my account. So I'm someone that prides myself for keeping my accounts in order. And for the last 
uh, eight years of being self-employed, I have had no no problem getting my tax return in and paying tax and doing what I need to do when it comes to accounts. But in uh, 2018, I uh, my uh, my accountants um, submitted uh, P, my P uh, 60 from uh, employment, and it was the wrong year, and that one mistake meant that I haven't been eligible for any government funding because they will not give um, funding to anyone that made an amendment to their accounts before the March date that they announced. And normally you have a, a year to make amendments and it's no problem if you if you upload like a, a form like that, but they that, that meant that's meant that every single round I have not been eligible for government funding and I'm someone who, who I honestly I have never made I, it wasn't even my error yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. and my accountants were like they even they said look we just normally it wouldn't even be an issue and it's and and they 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 didn't they didn't like charge me that year and just have done everything that they can to help but amazingly um uh, musicians union and the hardship funds were that have been available I have been eligible for them um, so I've used them um, to to survive and to sustain um, uh, and to build my online presence up and yeah I think I'm waffling now we should probably let someone else speak no. <laughs> <laughs> some of the some criteria, criteria just seem really um, arbitrary mm. yeah it's almost like that it's just too complicated to deal with that so that they're just not going to deal with it i just find yeah. that I'm, I'm really i'm shocked to hear that it's i'm almost feel like oh, shouldn't be shocked by these types of stories anymore mm. but there you are yeah yeah if you if, if for someone like myself who has this sort of eight years of accounts all in order all submitted on time like no, nothing funny going on to be able to not have a look at that and go well that was just just a, an a, a p60 that was uploaded for instead of the 2018 to 19 it was the 2017 to 18 surely anyone looking at that, those accounts would be like well that's just that's just that's okay but no, because it was before the March, which was the, the cutoff point, and that's how I think a lot of people didn't get, uh, you know, just ways to to cut, cut being able to sort of support people, which is really painful because I know people that had just started out, for example, being self-employed, then they they were were made eligible for for back um, for backdated funding and things like that as well. Absolutely. And it just, I mean, without, it just baffles me completely that they have all these complicated systems that require so many people to check them and check up and so many people left out and how much easier it would have just been to give people the benefit of the doubt and make, you know, I'd make blanket payments or just or something that is just essentially going to be more likely to help people than less likely to help people. Um, yeah. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> not really much else to say yeah. there but <laughs> it, was, it was it was either I laugh and just get on with it or I cry and I go into a pit of of misery which is not um wasn't gonna be 
very a, a place to be, be able to get to where I am now, um, uh, which is uh, online gigging online, um, releasing my third album um, that I've done. I've not only and, and again collaboration has been key to that because it, it it my purpose of serving and staying connected with my audience was stronger than my purpose for or um you know to to this is oh it's oh no I haven't got it I'm not going to make music again um and go into sort of like a self sabotage pit of doom it was tough um and I was absolutely devastated but then I kind of was like okay that's not available so what is available and then I found out about the wonderful hardship fund from help musicians I applied for a ton of funding I applied for uh, arts council England funding um musicians union and then I was able to um uh start to um uh, build uh, as I was building this online platform um you uh, get more, 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 and more people were streaming my music and um, and supporting me on Bandcamp and uh, and through collaborate through collaborating with other artists, my fan base was growing. And then I took part in um, Global Music Match, which was a um, a, a pilot bringing ninety six artists from all around the world to get together, which was really nice for me because. I was like, I want, that was the, where I was heading, you know, <laughs> but instead of like getting on a plane or a train or a bus, I was literally just walking from one room to the next. Um, and there I was um, taking part in a global music tour in a pandemic, which was just crazy because that is basically what, what I wanted to do in real life. The resilience and and ways that musicians have found to deal with with situations like what you've described is absolutely just mind-boggling isn't it it's so impressive to hear um what you've achieved um and under such circumstances and you know all those funds that you had to apply for i mean talking about unpaid work that is in itself days yeah. and days of work um of writing all those applications and we all know what that's yeah. like <laughs> Yeah, days and days of work. I mean, luckily, you know, um, we had the time. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the problem, isn't it? So you have the time, you have the willingness, you have the, um, you know, uh, strong-willedness to make things these things happen. And therefore, um, oh, you know, then you achieve all these things, which is wonderful. <laughs> um, Maya, I'd love to bring you in here. What... Um, Welcome. And uh, Thanks, would yeah. you like to tell us a bit about, um, about your, your experience of this? Yeah, I mean, my experience has been very different. Um, I think my, my work, I, my work is predominantly orchestral. So I'm used, what I was used to before this pandemic hit was being employed by somebody else to work in close proximity with a high volume of people. Um, in many different locations that I had to travel to and from um, kind of on a weekly basis, it might be somewhere else in the UK. So that is exactly the thing that just couldn't happen at all. <laughs> Once this pandemic hit, I was about to start a three month ballet um, and I went to the first rehearsal. It was in a new region as well. So I'd never, and the new orchestra I'd never worked with. So 
sat down, met my desk partner, the orchestra tuned up, and then the orchestral manager came out and said, I'm sorry, everyone, I'm going to have to send you all home. And the whole thing got cancelled. And then I just, I think I was in a bit of shock. I kind of yeah. sat at home and there was just so much space and time. And I had I had, had all these spinning plates, um, you know, a bit of teaching and a, some ensemble stuff and different, lots of different employers. And suddenly it was like, bang, there's nothing. Um, so it took me some time to absorb that shock. I would, I would like to say, I sprang into action as it, it as it seems Nage did a fantastic job of going right. What can I work with here? Um, I would love to say I had a practice schedule and I I, I got pupils through grade exams and but that that just wasn't me for for a while. Um, I'm very lucky to work as a music curator. I think you called me a creator earlier, which which works as well. It's a nice, it's a nice <laughs> compliment. Um, it, is, it, is, it is a similar similar thing, um, and that involves remote working um, from home anyway, and closely with composers, which which I love doing, and, and other musicians. Um, so that's that's really kept me going um, throughout this. It's a it's another strand to my career. But I know so many colleagues um, that have orchestral careers as I do um, that that really experienced the shock of it and, and kind of had to turn to universal credit and things like that um, and on the subject of universal credit um, one of the real uh, injustices I, I feel with that system has been that people have to somehow prove that they're still you know looking for work in order to to claim that they're eligible for universal credit and people are going hang on I'm, I am working I'm a musician I'm practicing and I'm writing and I'm doing all these other things how is that not acceptable work in order to be given support um, but it's, it just wasn't seen I think by the process as as a valid form of work because it wasn't being paid for um, so yeah I mean uh, but uh, but so there was that initial period of shock and then and then the project started to come through and everybody started to adapt and I did a couple of uh, remote recordings from home and I did a couple of distance recordings in churches and concert halls and things like that and was able to take a sectional for a youth orchestra and it's really been about pulling all the resources possible to just keep going and it's I mean so people have done amazing things. I had a friend who learned a new concert program every week and live streamed it every single wow. week and got donations um, towards that. And that's kept her going. I mean, it's amazing. And in a way, I mean, a silver lining has been that people have been able to hone in on what they really love because you, you don't just sort of take any work that comes your way. You go, what do I want to do? What can I do? And then people find their, their musical strength in that as well a lot of people have turned into business people throughout this process um mm. which has been great as well so yeah I, I kind of just want to make the point that even even the people that have, have just, that just had to sit with it and maybe practice and or do some other work they're still musicians and coming out of this as we start to open up you're still gonna you, you're gonna be able to go back to that eventually and you you can hold on to the fact that it's not this isn't forever um it can feel really despairing sometimes or it has felt really despairing some at points during this but it's not forever i mean i think we've had some bleak moments at the mu on behalf of members when you've kind of we thought 
we were negotiating some of our variation agreements that have covered the COVID crisis, you know, needing to have um, longer intervals for uh, social distancing purposes and that sort of thing. We, we thought, you know, we were planning for things to reopen maybe this March. Um, and then you have to have those conversations where you say, we're going to have to extend these deals because it now looks like it's going to be the summer at the earliest. And, you know, it's just, you feel like every conversation is more bad news. It's just, it's been absolutely horrendous, but at last we have the roadmap and it looks like we're getting back to some live music in the summer. I'm just so excited about it. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's so much wearing um, stuff, isn't there? And I'm, I'm gonna, um, you know, come off the subject of the uh, of the problem as much as I think it's important to give it space. So we'll, we'll, uh, I'll come to hopefully some solutions and some positive thoughts in a moment. But I just think that what musicians have done is just so incredible, not only when you think about all the things that you guys have just talked about in, in terms of what you've done, but also how many pitfalls there have actually been because the rounds of cancellation are so exhausting and the shock is real. I mean, I I had a um, one of my um, collaborators, someone that I work with, um, was preparing to do a violin concerto and it was cancelled the afternoon of the concert. She was on her way to the rehearsal from another part of the UK. You know, so the, the, the you know, this just doesn't happen, does it? You know, I was, I've said this loads recently, so anyone listening to this podcast will be like, oh, here she goes again. But I, I've worked in uh, organising music for over a decade and I've never once cancelled an event before last year. I've never once known of an event being cancelled. I can't even really think of a time when they've been postponed. It's just like, you just don't do it. You do anything to stop that from happening. So um, I do think the shock is real. And I do think that the um, the mental and emotional side of what people have had to go through, of, you know, how long do I not play my instrument for before I can not consider myself an artist anymore? You know, as, as awful as that is, is something that many people have thought and um, to achieve what's been achieved um, across the industry and different parts of the industry I think it's been absolutely incredible when you consider how easy it would have been to go to um I think you called it the, the pit of doom <laughs> which uh, I think we've all you know teetered on the edge of from time to time um definitely felt like I've been in that twice um really badly and um as uh, Maya said um just you know have been really proactive like it, I think it even it is you know can even be um a response you know to the the traumatic change which is you know um uh you've got the you know fight flight freeze fawn and and, and I, I just went into like right I need to fight for, to to stay uh you know uh to stay doing what I, I I'm passionate about and um, the the two dark parts were yeah were these cancellations that kept on happening. Um, uh, one was um, I was going to be doing a, a May a May tour with my full band, and that just couldn't happen. And I remember being in a meeting, and my manager and booking agent were like, "Nade, are you okay?" And it was like this moment where I just was like, "I'm I can't." I just, I was so overwhelmed. I was like, I was, I was actually frozen. And they were like, Nate, I come, come back to us. Like, come back to us. Because it was like the, the third time that we were changing. And at that point, I was just like, I just don't think I can, I don't think I can handle another change. <laughs> I just felt so bad. 
and uh, and then another one was in in January and I was like I said to my manager I just have got no money I've I'm literally that I'm I don't know what I'm going to do it's January there you know I've got all the funding that I could possibly have I'm ha I'm having a panic I've I'm, I don't know what to do and she was like okay calm down it's January remember what normally happens in January every year that you you've been self-employed what happens in January it's a longer month there's less work and everyone just needs to get through but this time we've got a we, we're in a pandemic so it just feels a lot harder and I remember going I think I went to bed and I just stayed there for like five days and I just couldn't do anything I knew things were going to get better I knew I just had to like ride it out but it was just so horrible it was just so horrible being at this in this moment where I have worked from the beginning of lockdown for a whole year and it's January and I have no money and I have just been doing everything I can, like collaborations, like gigs, applying for funding, um, you know, uh, reaching out, starting groups, um, putting my name in, out there, releasing my records. Yet I, it's January and I'm skinned and I don't know how I'm going to get. I don't know what I'm going to I don't know. I can't see how I can continue being a musician. And I looked, and at that point I started to look at other jobs. Like, and I took the whole like government test and it was like, you should be a cake decorator. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's not bad. That's not a bad show. And I was like, well, if I'm gonna be a cake make maker, okay, cool, that's, that's fine. And then like, I just prayed, like I just prayed and I asked the universe and I said, universe, I just need your help right now. And I went all spiritual and I got my crystals out and I just said, I just, I please, can I have, I really need your help. And like within a week, I had like three or four bookings um, and that just picked things back up. And I've just been riding on that wave, but it gets dark. It gets, it, and it can get dark. And, and that was horrible. That was like such an ugly moment for me. It was, it was unpleasant. Yeah. I think at that a low, all musicians can identify with with those experiences. Nade, I think definitely everyone's had their low points, and sort of sinking into it is a is sort of a bit cathartic. You need to have that kind of poor me moment in order to find the energy to get yourself. Well, I I find that I do. I do kind of just cry in bed and go well, what am I going to do the arts aren't valued at all <laughs> and there was that sense of like no one we're not key workers we're not important enough to to be given support or saved we're being told to go and do other things and we'll be you know but um I mean if Netflix is anything it's proof that mu music is important <laughs> important and that's what everyone's been doing all year you know every single advert every single Netflix show, TV, news, radio, everything. There's music on absolutely everything, on every parts of everyone's lives. And behind that music are musicians. And just, it's it's absolutely vital and essential to everybody's existence. And, uh, you know, maybe the, the people running the country aren't quite realizing how vital it is. Yeah, and then, I mean, in a broader sense, when you're born it's a lullaby and when you you die it's the song they sing at your funeral you know it's really it's part of every single person even if they're not a trained musician so we are important we really we, we are the people that provide this to everybody 
we are the highly skilled musicians that do this so what am I trying to say I just I that for me that was really something to hold on to that it, yes on paper we, we, we arts and that's creative and you know that doesn't make money and that's not you know that's not important but actually it's it, it's vital to everyone I think yeah absolutely and we've had to do all of that remembering how vital it is without being told it by anyone external or anyone in power essentially mm. makes it a thousand times harder and if you in and and at moments of of self-doubt and low uh, self-worth it can be that that's enough that's enough to go you know in the in the in the when when somebody when when you're being told you you're you know art isn't valuable music isn't valuable that's enough for you to lose your confidence for you to lose your way and you you to end up you know coming away from what you were gifted with and do something else and it's yeah it's incredibly difficult and i think if there was more support for for the arts of music um then there we would all just benefit from it and like we have well we just continue to benefit from that right because like you say it's that music's there our birth and it's there our death so what musicians do is just so valuable and so important that to be to be in a position where you're having to sacrifice that, that, and 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 not put that into the into the universe where it so so belongs, it's just really painful. Yeah, I think we, we try to make lots of arguments around. We always talk about the economic value of the music industry and how it contributes to the UK economy, and it's much bigger than the fishing industry, for example, um, which you hear about a lot at the moment with Brexit. Um, but you know the music industry is really big in that sense but also about the the contribution to people's well-being and how much people value it and as you say people have been listening to music probably way more during um the pandemic so we want to do some uh, research around that actually because we think it's quite um it'll be quite interesting to see how consumers have increased their their listening and yeah watching shows and films that have got great soundtracks and that sort of thing it's probably been um more valuable than ever when people have been trapped at home but also how people are missing live music the experience of going to a festival or a gig or a concert you know so um yeah we'd like to get some more data around that really mm, that'd be really interesting because um we, through, from my position throughout the pandemic we've been trying to work out the place of online music in alongside the lost live music and whether it's going to continue and and so on and you know we've come to the conclusion um that you know it has a place in the same way that when radio first started it was this wacky thing that no one knew what to do with and now it's it has its own place you don't replace you don't say I'm not going to go to a live concert because the radio exists but um but yeah to, as well I think um to come back to the kind of um the effort involved in dealing with this lack of appreciation um I don't know if you would agree with this but it's felt to me as though it's caused people to do a lot of reflecting back and it's not just that it's not that music was super appreciated and then suddenly it wasn't it's actually been massively underappreciated throughout, certainly throughout my professional career. Um, it's just got worse and worse, frankly, in terms of how um, how ingrained it is in education, how ingrained it is in, um, 
you know the importance of people's lives and and the, the way it's supported financially and um so on so in a sense it's like it's almost a little bit like what many of us are going through with the um the campaign around sarah everard we're going back over past behaviors and traumas and saying actually we've just been accepting this and actually it's um it's really damaging and it's just got worse now that it's been highlighted in many ways but as ever i but i hope that that realization means that as soon as we realize how bad it can become it can start to get better because we can advocate and like the, the work that you know me and the mu are doing is so important in all this um and i was wondering um, Maya and um, Lady Nade, whether you have um, things that have happened during the pandemic that you will um, take forward into your careers going forward once hopefully things open up again and you can go into um, go back to doing what you do best. It's like um, Maya, you mentioned that people are being able to really choose exactly what they love and do that. Um, I'll take um, Maya first, if that's okay. What what are your thoughts there? Are there things that you've you know things that you've done with your your music career that are you're going to try and keep doing even when you go back into um more normal work again um I think in terms of my because obviously performance has been very limited but in which has meant that I have had to practice less what I'm given to practice and I'm I've been allowed to practice what I want to practice and then I kind of thought what do I want to play and I've been but I've kind of looked up old quartet parts and old kind of ensembles and then I started listening to folk music and then improvising a bit and then I thought hang on I, I feel like I might belong with ensembles in a in a stronger way I love playing in an orchestra but but maybe I maybe I'd like to set up some projects for smaller ensembles and and that would work for the pandemic and coming out of the, the pandemic because you can have less people and you can do it in a distanced way and you can do it in more community-based work so I think um, it's not that I've I've done a project and and thought right I can take this out outside. It's more that it's sort of open, not being restricted by what I've had to do in my career before has meant that I've found re found a love for a different sort of music. Um, yeah, yeah. I love that because it's just exactly you know in our campaigning we were talking about how what, how would you define your members we had like a little brainstorming session and we were just talking about resilience how community-minded and creative musicians are and it's just like built in that you've kind of yeah it's really lovely to think that something positive might come out of the experience that everybody's had absolutely I agree completely and um, Nate, same question yeah, um, well, I've always been uh, passionate about collaboration and community. And one thing that is, has been so important during this pandemic is just how important that is. So to continue pushing other artists music as much as my own because if we as a community uh stay uh strong then we we all benefit from that so um i've been sharing um uh in my in my mailing list i have a lady Nade and friends section and i share our two artists um every month and i use my stories um to share other artists' music using Spotify playlists. And I go and I tell my fans, 
these my friends got a crowdfunder on please go and support them and sharing their their uh music and um i think we've been taught to compete with each other and fight and in my cases sometimes as a black female artist conquer and divide springs to mind in terms of like they're kind of one in one out and just to be so competitive with each other all the time and it's just like why are we being competitive with each other but um why is the industry meant that there's only a certain amount of slots and you have to know someone who knows someone like we all benefit if we are all working together you know that's what i love about the musicians union and help musicians is it's, uh, it's all about creating support for each other and i think that's so important to continue and i think artists that have been working as solo acts or um who have been working on pr productions on their own have 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 come in, um to realize in lockdown that being part of other projects and other community and other people's work, how beneficial that is to their own work. Stronger together, right? <laughs> oh, I cannot agree more with you about that. And it's something I talk about all the time is how I, I always say I've never ever come across a situation where there's a choice between competition and collaboration, where collaboration isn't the better choice. I really believe that. And that's such a great way of, of putting that and explaining it. That's certainly a positive that I think I've seen coming out of the pandemic is that musicians have felt the need um, for, a, for a genuine supportive network. I mean, I'm not saying they didn't feel that need before, but that it, um, you know, that it's been, it's been essential. It's not been optional. People have desperately needed that. And, um, you know I'm, it's good to see when it's worked out and that's fantastic thank you um yeah de definitely just in, in um following on from what Nate said about the promotion of your peers and celebration of your peers um in order to for everyone to be stronger and to promote yourself because if you know that there's two people being promoted there when you're saying look at this person because it's it's always reciprocal isn't it the kind of support of each other um i think definitely a positive to come out of this pandemic is that it's sort of taken as a social media phobic person it's sort of taken the shame out of self-promotion because everyone's everyone's gotta gotta go for it and and do it for each other as well because there used to be this idea, I think, that if you need to do all of this promotion and if you're constantly uh, like saying, this, look at me, look at me, this is what I've done, this is what I've done, that somehow you, if you need to, that you're not kind of good enough to, to just be found by yourself or for people to want to promote you without you having to prompt it. Um, but that's completely not, wasn't true before and isn't true now. And I think a lot of people have felt more confident about saying, I'm a musician, look at me. <laughs> and that, that you shouldn't be, ashamed or feel or feel like people aren't going to be supportive of that um so, yeah. so that's a positive definitely and I yeah. love I love using networks and social media and other things to promote other people it's just such a great thing and it's so great when it happens to you because I, I, I got um International Women's Day this year was quite I found it really quite emotional and overwhelming as it's always been something I've involved in but this year it just felt like it was absolutely on stop from start to finish like the the appreciation and the celebration of women was just really amazing and um 
and I was I had no idea it was going to happen but someone featured me in an article about um about female CEOs in classical music and I was just like what and it was so nice and I was literally glowing from it all day and I'd have never ever put myself next to the other people in that article and it and it came from someone else like that was just someone else's energy you know I hadn't had to do that um and I was just and that, that I really remembered like that feeling I've always liked recommending other people but I've started to really focus more on how I can do that all the time because I remember how good it felt when someone else did it for me and I was like I feel like this is something that we can all do for each other all the time um is to, is to give energy in that way because there's just only so much energy that you have yourself isn't there yeah yeah it's nice it's really nice to be supported in that way and to have other people be advocates for for what you're doing and I think there is a myth around it's not authentic to promote yourself and and, and uh, tell people about what it is you do. And I'm not sure where they sort of came from for musicians, which is like, you know, if you make a song and dance of what you do, then that's then, you know, if you, there's this kind of like, if you're good, you know, your audience will find you or, you know, people will find you. But I'm just thinking, like, is there any other business that that does that? Like, if, cof- if when cof- when a coffee business has a coffee to sell, you know about it. <laughs> like, when when someone's trying to sell you a plant hanger on Etsy, you know about it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm not I, sure. If it's like a a ploy to for other people to then be able to come in and say, well, I'll promote it for you, so you don't have to. And then it's again taken away. Um, you know, uh, it's 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 falling short where the artist yet again is paying for their for their career in some way, shape, or form. And without the artist, without the music, there is no career. And it feels like most of the time there's lots going on where the artist is the last person to benefit from everything that they're creating. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I, I think about this a lot. So when I am um, so an artist manager as well, and when I um, speak to artists about that or about anything else, social media or sort of what to put on your website or general self-promotion is probably the most common conversation I actually have. Um, and it's always like, I mean, it's not, you know, people have different views on it and different takes on it, but um, there are a lot of social media phobic um, classical musicians in particular, and I completely get why that is. And there is there is this sort of idea that what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to study and study and practice and practice. And then from within the practice room that you've spent the last decade, you will suddenly be magically discovered. And, <laughs> you know... And then your it's career. So yeah. It's so true. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I it, it's just it's just that you're so you're especially I think classical musicians, you, you spend so much of your time trying to be perfect. Um, yeah. and trying to but because it's it feels so competitive and there are 300 people going for every job and all of that, but you don't you you it's a fear of being vulnerable and being being pointed at as that that's wrong and I suppose what's different between the coffee shop and the musician is that your musical personality and your music is so part of who you are you have to make yourself so much more vulnerable to to put it out there 
and yeah. and it's really scary especially in the classical world when it's like if you play a wrong note that orchestra is not gonna gonna want to book you for anything because you've played that wrong note it's a it's not true and but I, I mean that I think that's where it comes from it's just you just have yeah. to have the courage to be like no nobody's perfect I'm I'm good enough to ha have a career in this so so you can all look at me and that's okay and anybody who isn't supportive of that maybe maybe I don't care if you're not being supportive well, I think that, it's probably more about you than me anyway <laughs> yeah. yeah well absolutely and there is, there's a horrible perfectionism and it all it comes from the culture of how we learn music right like we're you know we're, we're picked at and we're told to practice for a gazillion hours a day otherwise we'll never get anywhere and we do exams in hideous sterile conditions with no audience and you know it's like and then whatever the examiner says is finite and that's your judgment on your craft until you do another one so it's not really surprising that we feel like that but not but then we're somehow meant to go from that to being like this confident, self-promoting um, musician that can just do all of these things. Um, I feel like I could talk about this forever. <laughs> we really can't. Um, Naomi, what's, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I think it's just, you know, it's kind of part of the career, isn't it now? And particularly over the past year, I think. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm all for collectivism, obviously working for a trade union, it's like absolutely stronger together, working together and collaborating and um, thinking as, you know, as a, a kind of, you know, musicians have got so much in common, I guess. Um, so there's so much that you can do collectively to get that point across. Yeah. Um, and it's very collaborative as well. So, I mean, I found that actually, um, you know there's been so much collaboration as well across different groups in the industry who do different roles so it's it's like managers working together with artists and uh publishers and everybody's been very committed to the cause of trying to support musicians i think over the past year which has been really encouraging yeah. in fact he works for another organization who represents um you know they don't represent the musician side of the industry they're on more on the industry side of the industry was basically saying every our lobbying asks are on the back burner because your lobbying asks are so much more important basically like musicians are the headline how we can how we can support the musicians and keep them in the industry and keep them working so i think that's really um good to hear yeah. absolutely and you know we can't have an industry without musicians and this is where it's kind of the premise on which i started this whole podcast actually which makes us very convenient for the end of the season um that, that we're talking about this um but the idea that we all exist in this in industry that cannot exist without us but it doesn't work for us in so many ways and that's why it's called that's why my podcast is called music works because you know in it's hard in any industry um to do this but if you you know if an industry is not working well for people and people are not in the industry because it doesn't work for them whether it's because of money or because of childcare or because of caring responsibilities or because of anything um that is the industry's loss more than it is the person's loss in many cases um and i think you know musicians don't because of the freelance nature of it as well in a lot of ways it's very hard to see that it's very hard for individuals to see how important they are to the industry yeah, the industry's not doing you a favour by keeping you going. You're doing exactly. the industry a favour by being a good musician within yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Exactly. <laughs> it's, that is, we just flip our flip it. Yeah, I think 
that's been part of our fixed streaming campaign really it's about um you know the industry needs the music the talented musicians and at the end of the day the musicians create the music and so they should be paid appropriately it shouldn't be that all the money that comes from streaming platforms is basically going to the major corporations in the business it should be filtering down like guess what if you pay people properly they'll keep creating brilliant music you know uh, it's not rocket science. Um, <laughs> you know, don't just play people. There's a risk that their talent will leave the industry, and we don't want that. So, yeah. What a shame so, to miss out on, you know, a wealth of stories and music and, um, you know, aesthetic that we all we all need. We know we need it. We absolutely do, and people, you know. People's lives are changed by music all the time, every single day. And certainly over the pandemic, this has been so important. Any any discovery of something new to listen to or to watch or to experience. You know, when my husband and I are between things on Netflix, we just don't know what to do with each other in the evenings. You know, we're just like, I mean, with ourselves, that's what I meant. Um, <laughs> we're just like, nobody wants to end up like that guy on the news, you know? <laughs> Netflix is the only thing keeping me from prison. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I feel like I could carry on forever. It's been so fantastic to talk to you all about this. It's so important. We've talked about so many brilliant things. Before we round up, I um, want to make sure that we've uh, talked about what you guys have got coming up. So, Nave, do you want to start? Tell me, um, tell me what's going on people look up um, to know more about your work yeah thanks so much Katie so I've got I've really enjoyed this chat and uh, thanks so much uh, for having me um and uh I've got um at my I've managed to get there with uh and I got I've finished my third album and that's going to be released on June the 18th and I'm going to fingers crossed um be performing um to celebrate three socially distanced shows one in Bridgeport one in Bristol and one in London and uh, the album pre-order is available now on digital download and physically as well and I'm really really excited to uh, be releasing this album um, it was all recorded in uh, lockdown um, with my band and I, I learned engineering skills and I learned production skills to make it all happen and it's coming just at, at the at the just before um the the lift and um so um i'm hoping that that that, that um yeah <laughs> i'm hoping there's no changes but that's oh, what i'm feel congratulations that's really exciting we'll be looking out for that and maya uh, yeah, well, well, slowly but surely, all the spinning plates are, are starting to come back, um, and I'm I'm looking at starting some smaller bass community chain music projects. Um, uh, I'd quite like to start something interactive in Manchester, so watch this space for that. Um, I've also got a session, uh, a couple of sessions booked, and I wanted to briefly mention um, the Up North Session Orchestra, um, who has has kept going throughout this whole pandemic and have been holding COVID safe sessions in studios and remote sessions, um, recording for film scores, video games, soundtracks, albums, um, and they've, they've provided employment for musicians throughout the pandemic where there's been hardly any freelance work. 
And um, more importantly, I think they're, they're continuing to champion the North of England as a destination for top session musicians, because there's this idea that to get a good session musicians, you have to go to London or to Eastern Europe. But there are there are plenty of amazing musicians up here um, doing doing that work. Um, so I, I, I wanted to give them a plug because they're, they're, they're fantastic. Um, so, yeah, just going to continue um, available for work. Anyone who wants to wants a cellist or anything. job has changed so much over the last year um you know uh obviously I'm working from home for a start but I mean I've basically been focused completely on lobbying and campaigning work so we've been campaigning um around reopening the industry support for musicians obviously um but yeah we need to have a big push to try and get some work happening under social distancing because I think that's still going to be a real challenge for the live industry um, and there's work going on around mass testing and whether vaccine passports are appropriate for live gigs but we'd love to see some government funding for events to take place under social distancing where they've got a reduced capacity but potentially some you know more work could happen if there was a government subsidy just for the period of time that social distancing is still in place we're also lobbying for um for live work to be able to happen in pub gardens from the 12th of April. So we'd absolutely love to see that um, some of the restrictions relaxed there and also busking to come back because we've had a lot of trouble with buskers being arrested. Um, when you think if you're performing in the open air like that, it would be completely safe. So there's still plenty of work for us to be getting on with um, lobbying wise and campaigning wise. Uh, also, the fixed streaming campaign is still very much live and kicking. So um, plenty going on on our social media platforms. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you. Uh, there's always such a lot going on. I really, um, really appreciated the MU over the last year in particular for just always being on the money with um, with what's going on at the moment. So thank you. And thank you so much for coming on this podcast again. <laughs> always coming on and talking about really, really important things. Um, it has been absolutely wonderful to talk to you all today. Um, I'm so glad we've been able to highlight the work you do and the work that you and other musicians have been doing over the last year and how that's been. Um, thank you so much for joining us, everyone, and um, goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. What a wonderful way to end season two. Thank you so much to Lady Naid, Maya Kashif and Naomi Pohl for their willingness to share some really difficult times from the past year under lockdown, as well as showing how the music community and the Musicians Union in particular has been there to help artists survive under the COVID pandemic. You can find out more about Lady Naid, Maya Kashif and the work of the Musicians Union online and on social media. Music Works is taking a break over Easter and season three will begin on Friday the 16th of April with Guy Withers from Water Perry Opera Festival. And we have a great lineup of guests from guitar guru Mike Papapavlou to winners from the Soundless Placebo Global Competition and a special guest episode with our sponsor, Alliance Music Insurance, answering your questions on music cover and how it works for you. Until then, it's goodbye from me, Katie Beardsworth, and the Music Works team of Graziana Pasiche and Margaret Pinder. Have a great Easter, everyone, and we look forward to joining you again on April the 16th. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Music Works podcast. 
If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe, check out our other great episodes, and even better, leave us a review. You can also sign up to our mailing list at www.polyphonyarts.com forward slash mailing dash list for updates and news about what Polyphony Arts is up to for all you classical music folk out there. You can find more information in the show notes as well. Meanwhile, I'm Katie Beardsworth and I look forward to sharing with you the next great episode of Music Works. Music Works is generously supported by Alliance Musical Insurance, the UK's number one musical instrument insurer. Alliance Music Insurance, serving the music community since 1960, proud to be the insurer of choice for over 70,000 musicians. Music Works is a Polyphony Arts production. Thank you for listening. Thank you.